Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into 2 Samuel 5, when David was crowned king over all Israel. Pastor Dina, there's so much to David's life, but this little passage, a little five verses, uh, seems like it could be a little uh, throwaway passage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, you know, something that, that moves us from one bit of action to the next, but but in looking at this passage and and seeing that the, the uh, what was going on in there, you know what did, what a value did you find in there? I think the whole topic of waiting is fascinating and hard, and um, to me, I think probably one of the areas of of Christian life where we struggle the most because so often we feel the burden to fix things, to make things better. And we do it individually. We do it as a church. We do it when our friends are suffering. I look at the way what we respond to to suffering or to, to difficulties. Well, what can I do? How can I fix it? What can I do to make you feel better? Here, I'll give you a bunch of food because then I'll feel better because I've done something. And, um, and maybe food will make you feel better too. But th- this idea that that sometimes we need to wait in, wait for God's promise to come true. We wait in the uncertainty. We wait in, in seeking direction and just how hard that is. And I don't know that it's any harder in 2023 than it was when David was king, but, but man, we have a whole lot more distractions now to keep us from waiting well. Well, I, I kind of feel like it, 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 you know, I kind of feel like it is harder in that we haven't, um, like, because we do distract ourselves, mm-hmm. we've lost the skill of waiting. Yeah. Like, and waiting becomes really, re- really painful. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, even waiting for little things like waiting in the grocery store, I notice the number of times when my phone comes out and I'm scrolling through something. I'm it's checking a- email. I'm doing something because I don't want to wait. I want to do something with that time that keeps my brain from being still. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, the number of times I see people, and I do it too, but I've, I've, you know, that's one area of my life that I've act- actively actually tried to reduce my dependence mm-hmm. on it and and be present in the moment, um, because then I notice that like other tasks become harder, like reading, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need to get to the end of this paragraph, and yeah, and I struggle with that. But you know, I do notice the number of people in checkout lines that are holding a cell phone and, mm-hmm. um, even at red lights. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the number of people at red lights that are yeah on a phone, which yeah. mind you in Pennsylvania is illegal. Yes. Like, but it doesn't stop us. No, it doesn't. It doesn't like that. And I mean, that really speaks to the power, doesn't uh-huh. it? Like, yeah, we have no, and maybe that's an enforcement issue, but it, it really is like, wow, we just go to it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I've, I've remarked, before at the number of times I end up holding my phone scrolling and thinking I don't even know how I got here like I don't remember making a decision to not be doing something but here I am and um and you know when I when I get in the car the first thing I do is plug something in and put on music or a podcast or a book or or something and how hard it is to to turn that off and just be still and be quiet and yeah you know but it can make my seven minute commute interminable when you know when there's nothing (laughs) 
to do. And, and that says more about me than it does about anything else. But um, it is so hard to wait. And our first inclination is, what can I do to make it better? And I, I think that's especially kind of a, a challenge to the church in this day and age as as we do have to wait on where God is leading us in this new age where the church doesn't have the primary place in society, in Western society anymore, where we do have to figure out how to deal with all the hurt that the church has caused and and the apathy that that can can sometimes come. Our our instinct is what can we program? What can we do? How can we work harder? How can we make our our worship service better? How can we improve this instead of being faithful with what's happening, being faithful with who's coming, and really discerning and listening to God's leading in community, in relationship? It, yeah, I think, and again, that's a really hard thing to do. Yes, and in part because you already have, like in churches, we already have anxiety in churches. Oh, yeah. You know, there's the anxiety of decline. There's the anxiety of when will people start coming back. There's the anxiety of all these things. And then you add on to it the anxiety of waiting. And that becomes that becomes almost impossible then to really stomach. Yeah. Yeah, especially where we are at this point in history, too. Still coming out of a, a major disruption in our lives in the pandemic when everything was unsure and all we could do is wait and so now I think there's even more pressure to to do something I mean the phrase get back to normal is still being used like oh I even even if uh you know we're three and a half years out from the pandemic I thought we would be back to normal by now how do we get back to normal to me that you know that the the undertone of, of that is you know what can we do to restore order to make things more sure just like the illustration you moved like what concrete steps can I take that will make things more certain for me whether it's <laughs> getting married or getting divorced or buying a home or selling a home or I, you know and that in some ways could be behind a lot of the the employment shakeups that we've been seeing you know yeah. I, everything is uncertain I'm unhappy in my job or maybe even not unhappy but not completely happy so if I quit and find something new then I've at least done something to bring about change instead of waiting to see where God is leading in this season of my life yeah I mean that's I think that's really true um and it's almost like we're trying to jam pack things in and i i think that feeling is dissipating a little bit mm -hmm. um but i think we still have this feeling like we lost some time and so we're trying to make up for it yeah and the question becomes when does that end like when when have we done enough when can we relax and if we don't ever think about that if we don't ever say you know otherwise we'll kick ourselves into overdrive mm -hmm. and really what the antidote is is waiting waiting on God, being able to say, you know what, this is not my time frame. This is not my, my plan. And so it's okay if I lose some time because God in eternity has not. Yeah. Yeah. And that eternal perspective 
changes things a lot. And it is, it is, I mean, one of the most difficult things to, to remember. And I think I had the opportunity to talk with some friends this weekend who, who have kids just enough older than mine that they're kind of in a different phase. You know, we're just starting middle, middle school and they have kids who are applying to college and thinking about the incredible pressure that's on. Do I go here? Do I go there? Do I apply early decision? Be, but then that binds me to this college and I can't change my mind. Do I wait and see what what all the offers are? What if I accept early decision and the financial package isn't what I want? But, you know, all of the it, when you can step back, which is much easier to do when you're not the parent of the person applying yeah. and say, no matter where you go, God is going to use you no matter what decision you make. There's blessings and liabilities in it, and God is with you in the midst of all of those. Um, and, and I think that's a good word for for the church, too, as we figure out what now and what comes next. That that no matter what we do, there's there's liabilities involved, but there's also blessing beyond what we can see. And I love how you um, you ask the question. You know, what are we telling the world about the value of God in our lives as we seek? to make decisions. And again, I think that's a good word for the church too, as we examine our values, like what, what do we want our decisions to lead to? Do we want them to lead to increased number, increased budget, increased community notoriety? How, how do we want the decisions we're making? What do we want the payoff to be? And how do we wait for that to happen? Um, and a lot of these things aren't mutually exclusive, but, you know, another, you know, like as we want more people to know Jesus Christ, are we willing to wait and maybe even not even see the direct fruit of that as we make decisions, as we mm-hmm. rely on God? Um, and again, I mean, you know, saying it makes it sound like, well, sure, this is what the church should do, but it, but it's super hard when we have the pressure of, bills that come due every month and worship services that come around every week that we have to program and plan and lead when we have Sunday school classes that that need teachers and need participation it it's a hard discipline to have yes I mean I mean the, the tyranny of the urgent mm-hmm. is what we're talking about yeah um, because uh, or I should say the tyranny of the immediate yeah. Because most things that are immediate are not necessarily actually urgent. They present themselves as urgent. Right. But they are usually neither important nor urgent. Uh, and that's an important thing to, to distinguish from immediate. Um, and so it's, it, it is hard. And, and so my, the third point, like what got cut out of my sermon that I referenced in the sermon, is this idea that, you know, not only is there pain in waiting, then there's a process of waiting, but there's also power in the mm-hmm. waiting and David experienced this this and we see it all through the Psalms where David has he is free uh in his day-to-day life of all the, of a lot of the immediate cares and concerns that we might have yes he he um he had concerns in the the field looking after the sheep because there were bears and lions mm-hmm. I mean he references that 
Um, but he doesn't have the stress. And I think the, the best example of that is actually in the story of David and Goliath before the actual battle when when Israel is shaking in fear and he is just going around saying, who is this that defies the armies of the living God? Mm-hmm. And people are like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to get us killed. Yeah. Don't say that. Yeah. And so, I I mean, there's... He, he just has this confidence in God and he has this deep relationship with God that allows him to have um, one deep relationship with others. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've talked about that in terms of the, the mission statement that, that we want to expand Christ's community through worship, discipleship and relationship. And I think that's foundation. I think you see it all throughout the scripture where you have these mm-hmm. relationships that result. Um, yeah. And you had, you drew on that as you challenged people in the sermon to to think about what they needed to decide and to to bring others into that and and I think you know anyone who has done that or even observed it from the outside see the way that people are knit together by discerning together by praying together by supporting one another as we as we pray and discern and and give wisdom and 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 um provide feedback and be someone to bounce ideas off of all to me, which are all is all a part of discernment that that knits people together in a way that, that very few other things do when you're, when you're working towards a common goal or, or want God's blessing and God's leading for another person. Um, that, that strengthens our relationships. I think that's one, and I know I've said before, that's one of the reasons why I love sharing prayer requests in worship. Not because I think if, you know, if only two more people are praying for this, then, then God will be convinced to do what we want. But, but something happens between us as we, as we pray prayers of comfort and prayers of guidance and prayers of encouragement and prayers of celebration over one another. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because then you're really sharing the the burdens as as Paul talks about it mm-hmm. in Galatians, um, where you're, you're 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 taking on those those extraordinary burdens that that we're supposed to be sharing with one another, and then you know as well what it the power of waiting as well is it is in recognizing God's timing. I mm-hmm. kind of referred to it already that when you have that eternal perspective, like then there's not the pressure to get everything done in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, I only have, <laughs> I yeah. only have, you know, on average 78 years and I better get going because I'm yeah. 40. Yeah. And Mozart wrote his first symphony at what? Like three. Yeah. And it's so, like, I'm already on. behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, and I know we pick a lot on, on sports culture and stuff, but all that, all that kind of, lends to that feeling of anxiety you know if my kid hasn't picked their sport by the time they're in first grade if if you're not doing all that you can to excel academically or or on the sports field physically or um you know if you're not in all the therapy trying to excel emotionally then you're behind then you you're set back and and we're not good at waiting for god to bring those things in our lives and and having as you said the the larger perspective of whenever those things come or even if they never come god is still with us in the 
in the midst of that and leading us, you, you had said, um, you'd quoted someone else saying that not every opportunity is an invitation from God. And we are so bad. I think we are so bad <laughs> at seeing that. I know we're bad at seeing that in my family because, you know, especially as we move into middle school and later elementary school and, and we want to do all the things we want to, you know, be good scouts and be good students and be good athletes and be good dancers and enjoy our friends and, and take all these opportunities. Um, we're not good at, at stepping back and saying, where, where is God leading us at this time? And, and to, to, put that out there, that was uh, Pete Schizero, mm. and he wrote the books The Emotionally Healthy Disciple and The Emotionally Healthy Church. Mm. And and those were really born out of, and I referred to it in the sermon, but those were really born out of his experience of being a type A, mm-hmm. get everything done, and burning himself out and almost losing his marriage. Yeah. And um, to the glory of God, he's still married, um, and he and his wife really do a lot in terms of being emotionally healthy mm-hmm. and promoting that throughout the church. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think when we lose that perspective individually and as a church, you know, we end up spinning out and, and spreading ourselves so thin over all these different programs and all these different endeavors and, and then wringing our hands going, but why isn't it working when we haven't really stopped to, to even ask what, the point is beyond just bodies in the room or to really ask is this god's mission for our church at this time yeah um and, and i know some other things uh, other organizations i'm involved in are kind of asking those same questions who's our audience what is god trying to do are we obligated to be all things to all people just so that the budget works out um but that it, it's a really scary prospect then to say no, that maybe maybe there's some pruning involved. Maybe there's some mm. rescaling. There's some uh, reimagining. Refocusing. Refocusing. You know, maybe, maybe, and maybe some people won't like that and they will part ways with us. And that will break my heart. Yeah. But, but also to be faithful to where God is leading this is the direction we'll go. And, you know, as, as much as you said to bring in other people to, into our decisions, which is, is totally healthy and a great idea. It also makes it really hard because we're all so different. I think, especially in the life of the church and in the life of, of the, the body of Christ, because we don't always have the same mind. It's not always Mm -hmm. clear. Our values aren't always the same and not, not even necessarily right and wrong, but different. And we have to figure out where where God is leading in the midst of that, which again often involves waiting, which is hard. And and it and once we feel like we've figured out a direction, like some of us don't really want to reopen that conversation then. Yeah. Like I'm a person that once I think I have a direction, I don't want to talk about it again. Mm -hmm. Like I want to try it out. I want to go that direction. And so like, if I ask advice, it's hard because I'm like, am I actually open to hearing if someone says, no, I don't think that's quite the direction you need to be going. Like that's a, that's a difficult conversation to have for me at least. Yeah. There are some people that welcome that. they are, they tend to be external processors. Um, I'm an internal processor. And Mm -hmm. so like, I want to 
what I talk about is usually product and not process. Yeah. Um, and some people are, are external and they are process and it doesn't matter how many times you interrupt them. They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's an interesting, let me, let me think about that. Yeah. And I'm not that. <laughs> um, and so uh, that is, that is so hard and the, the waiting and it means more waiting. And when we have a, like when I have a direction, I think I want to go, I want to get going on it yeah, and not sit around any longer. Yeah, and that reminds me, you you as we talked about opportunities and invitations from God, but but we need to constantly ask ourselves not just the what, but the how and the why. Yeah, like in some ways we wouldn't have blamed David had he mm-hmm. taken matters into his own hands and become king. I mean, that's what God promised. That's what was said. That's what was told to him, and so boom, he's going to make it happen. But but that leaves out the how. And the why, you know, God, God determined David would be king for us at a certain period of Israel's history. And, and because David was a king after God's own heart, which, which would have gotten overshadowed had David taken those things into his own hands. And I think, again, you know, the, the church has to ask itself a lot of those questions too. Why are we doing what we're doing? What is the goal what is the end how are we going to get there and and not just assume that the the ends justify the means you know well we have more people in church so we win but how did we get here and what are we doing and what are we sacrificing and and all of those things I think need to weigh into our discernment which which makes it much messier for for people like you and and like me that that want very clear guideposts like we'll 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 do this if this many people sign up or we'll, we'll try this for <laughs> this many years and, and this or this many months and then reevaluate when when all those things, other things enter in, it becomes a lot harder to evaluate because we're not no longer looking at just objective metrics. Right, right. Um, you had mentioned something. I'm going to go back to a comment you had made a little bit earlier. Um, about the fact that waiting becomes harder, like, especially when you're trying to improve yourself and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so on I know that has been, that has been a part of my journey is, as you know, there have been things that I've realized where I'm like, huh, you know, that would have been really helpful to know, like 25 years ago about myself. And, and it's hard in those moments not to be like, geez, what have I, you know, what really have I been doing here? Yeah. Well, and I think. I mean, certainly, personally, that's important. I mean, who wouldn't go back and tell their middle school self a whole lot of things to make life easier? Well, I'd have to go further back than 25 years. (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, we will pretend that 25 years would cover it. Um, (laughs) Not at all the case. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But I think, you know, the same is, is true of organizations. And especially as we start to do the systems analysis and the goals analysis and the values analysis, it's really hard, I think, not to hear judgment in that. And I know that's something I've been working through, working with you, someone new coming in and evaluating the system. Like sometimes I have to work really hard to not hear condemnation of the last 20 years. In the I'm midst sorry. Of that. No, no. And I know that that's my work to do and not like it is good to evaluate. It's good to think about why we're doing things and you know and how often the the answer is I don't know that's the way we've always done it um 
and so I think it does. It just takes intentional work to understand that that we are and were doing the best we can, but also yeah. as we grow, as we change, we recognize the shortfall of all of our efforts apart from what God did for us in, in Jesus. Like that's really the, yeah. the only thing that that doesn't fall down at some point. Well, I think that's a, that's another power in waiting as well, though, is, mm-hmm. is there's, um, um, bless you. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's maturity that comes through yeah. the waiting as well. David would not have been able to, for example, when, um, uh, uh oh goodness, his name is right here. Absalom. Mm-hmm. Um, when Absalom rebels against David, I don't think he would have had the maturity to handle that, that incident so well, like you look at him and he is calm. Like Mm -hmm. he sends the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem and says, if God wants me to see it again, I will see it again. Yeah. Like if his blessing is with me, I'll, I'll see it again. I don't need to take it with me. Um, and, uh, and, and historically that had been something you take into battle to achieve victory. Yeah. Um, and so he isn't worried about that. And he, goes out and he's able to weep for his son. You know, he's not bitter at his son. Mm-hmm. He he's he still is able to care about his son, even in the midst of rebellion. And I think that's something, okay, we don't have people taking kingdoms, but I know a lot of parents who are saying, I don't know how to connect. I don't know what to do with my kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to connect with them because they just seem to be going against everything that I, I tried to put into them. Yeah. And what do I do? Where's God in the middle of this? And, and I think we can learn from David that the power of waiting is, is that maturity? Yeah. And I think, I think recognizing too, in the midst of it, that our waiting is going to look different than everyone else's waiting. Like it's, it's really easy to look at other churches and say, oh, you know, they're thriving. They've got it figured out what in the world is wrong with us. Or look at those parents. They're doing a really good job. I'm over here, you know, keeping a list of the things that my kid's going to have to talk about with their therapist someday. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that I'm he, waiting for the school to call again. Yeah. Ugh, the worst. Oh, uh, who's awful. sick or who's in trouble? Um, Who am I going to kill tonight? <laughs> yeah. Um, that that each of our waiting looks different, which again, I think is why it's so important to be in relationship with one another. And uh, again, I I had the opportunity to spend the weekend with some friends and, and one friend is just getting ready to begin her marriage and bless her. Yeah. But it was such a joy. I mean, she, she's got it so together. Like part of me thinks like, Oh, 25 year old me was not that put together as we were, (laughs) you know, as we were exploring marriage and and all that that meant but it was also a joy to to be able to say you know 18 years later that to say like this is so you're doing so well and you're going to be able to weather the things that are ultimately coming that I know from 18 years down the road that you can't imagine yet um but still like you know that wisdom and looking back and looking forward and and bringing other people alongside of us who are in different places in their faith, different places in their their stage of life, who can can help us discern together how to 
be faithful, how to seek God, how to listen for God, how to, um, how to honor God as we honor one another. Um, so yeah, for me, that, that was just a really good conversation of, of being able to say, to, to, you know, to hopefully speak wisdom into her life as she gets ready to get married. And then also to reflect on, on the gifts that she gave me and the encouragement and, and that's that sort great. Of thing. That's great. And, and I mean, there's a lot to be said for, for waiting, mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to slow down and listen for God's leading when it comes to, um, personal relationships and being yeah. able to, being able to have people around you who are able to guide you and direct you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Katie and I are very thankful for some of the people who have surrounded us, um, uh, and really feel like they were placed around us. Mm-hmm. Um, funny how that happens, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, because I mean, sometimes you need someone around you that's, that's going to calm you down in the moment and is going to say, just relax on this. Yeah. This feels like a big thing right now, but it will become a much smaller thing, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, we can, we can really left to ourselves and left to our own anxieties. We can really go off the deep end where, you know, we're like, and then she asked for a, a, a hamburger. So she, you know, <laughs> when I asked if it was a cheeseburger and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, am I smothering her? And that's why she doesn't want the cheese melted on. And, yeah. you know, and you go, uh, can you just back that truck up? Like yeah. 15 exits. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is so easy to spin out when we're left to our own devices and we need people around us to say deep breath. This is, this is not all that it seems right in this moment. And, you know, I especially think about my work with, with youth and particularly the type A kind of youth. Um, and, and the, the beauty in being able to say, like, I know that this final seems like the biggest deal possible right now, but I'm here to tell you that there is life beyond your grades. And, you know, um, not now that you have an excuse to not do your best, but also once I graduated from seminary, no one asked me for my grades ever. And so yeah. I spent a whole lot of sleepless nights memorizing Greek vocab that, you know, perhaps I could have relaxed a bit on. Um, Absolutely zero people have asked for my transcripts. Yeah, none, not, not one. And so, again, you know, balance in all things and not an excuse to not do your best and to serve God in, in where you all are in your life. But, but perhaps I would have done well had someone reminded me the difference between an A and an A minus is not going to break you. you yeah, know? exactly. You know? Exactly. And or the difference between an A and a C is not going to break you because D's get diplomas, and, you know, and, and that's, and the person who graduates last in the class is still called doctor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, And so I think as, as we build relationships, as we seek waiting, as we seek wisdom, we need those people in our lives to say, it's going to be okay. And, and even, even if you fail the class and have to retake it, it's not going to matter that much in two years from now or four years from now. And yes, it will always be a part of your story. um, But, you know, and I think, so at this, I was at the mission conference board meeting, and there is a a, a a mission scholarship program that you apply for, and then you get to go 
spend six weeks in whatever country they assign you to and you come back and you're kind of the star of the mission conference and I only applied once but I did not get selected the year that I applied and then other things swept in and I didn't have that that opportunity or freedom again and at the time it was devastating to not get picked and and still you know you know now I'm in leadership of the conference but I never went on summer service and and certainly it's a it's a thing that happened and you know it's an opportunity I didn't have but you know 20 years later it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as it did when I got that rejection letter right and and I think too of you know of other things that I've had to wait for in my life that that looking back you can see God's hand remarkably well and I think we need other people in our lives to continually remind us of that like this won't always hurt this bad this always won't this won't always be that confusing the things that seem so important right now are going to pale in comparison to the rest of what life has to offer so so it's okay to wait and I think as you said that's where the power in waiting comes and that's where the joy in worshiping God when when you can keep all those things in perspective I think it's a lot easier to to worship God and to cling to God in the difficult times. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I think sometimes that's the, the answer for the anger that we can sometimes feel towards God. And I fully believe that God is big enough to let us be angry. And, oh, yeah. You know, um, isn't isn't mad at us because of that or isn't going to turn away because of that. But for our own peace, for our own our own spiritual journey, when we can hold all those things in perspective, I think it, it keeps us from... from flying off in any one direction well and and to kind of paraphrase what uh, what winston churchill said about you know that that there's there's power in the waiting you know know, to paraphrase him to kind of take the the quote in a different direction it's you know success is is not ultimate and and failure is not final Mm -hmm. you know there's there's life after the failure david David is going to have a life after Bathsheba and Uriah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be with him the rest of his life, mm-hmm. but it's it didn't end his life. You know, yeah. that was not final. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's we're able to patiently wait for God to do the work of redemption and restoration in our lives when we have this perspective, when we have this relationship with God, and when we have the people around us that can pick us up and put us back in the direction of God again mm-hmm. and can can really speak life into us and and again help us to restore our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, and I think about all the conversations we've had about suffering and and now waiting and you know to me the best friends are are the ones that can hold both of those things they're not the ones saying well you know I'm sorry you didn't get into the college you wanted but someday it won't matter because you'll have gone to college and it'll be fine you know but also not letting us get so stuck in that you know trying to find that you know like this is hard and and this and it and it does feel like this is the 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 ultimate disappointment and it won't always be like that but it's okay that it feels that way right now yeah um, the way you said, you know, the you know Bathsheba and Uriah, it all it. I'm sure for a time that felt like it defined David, oh, and man. and it needed to for a time. And yeah. It, 
um, you know, as we saw through the way his his friends called him to account. And, you know, and that's another important part of of discerning together to not have friends that are just going to pat us on the back and say, sure, sure, this is exactly where God's leading you, you know, to have people who are willing to call us to account, who are willing to to point out the the sins and the shortcomings in our lives lovingly and non-judgmentally, of course, but truthfully, truthfully, yeah, because, because no one, no one is doing us a favor when they, they just rubber stamp. Oh yeah, surely that's where God is leading you. I'm pretty sure you're okay with this whole Bathsheba thing. Yeah. I'm sure it'll blow over. Yeah. It'll be fine. (laughs) It wasn't that big of a deal. You did what any guy would have done. Yeah. He was a Hittite. He wasn't even an Israelite. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, especially as we've, it, you know, the last several weeks of the narrative lectionary have really seemed to lean hard into that, into the relationship pillar that we established. I think it's important to surround ourselves with, with honest people, with godly people, with, with people who want better for us than to just let us go wherever our whims take yeah. us or, 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 you know, sometimes, and I think in, when it comes to waiting, the path of least resistance, the path that's going to get us to where we want to go fastest. Yeah. And, uh, and who aren't going to say, you know, maybe, you know, we make the, the theological jokes here, but they're, they're the very real people around us that are like, Hey, there are people in business doing far worse things. I wouldn't worry about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, David, you're not the only one that, that took a woman who wasn't your wife. You know, that's kind of just standard practice though. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you know, any of those things that we say to, to make sin look normal in this age Mm -hmm. and, and, and people who are willing to say, actually, that's not normal. That, that, that's not, and who are willing to, to say that and say, you know, I think you really should have a a hitch in the way you feel about this. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's God telling you something. And so, um, yeah, or at minimum saying, hey, you're questioning this. Maybe you ought to pay attention to that. Like, yeah. wonder wonder what's behind that. Yeah. And and being committed to to working together to figure that out or or to leading you to the people that that can help you figure out whether that's a pastor or a therapist or or some combination of of people that that will help you discern where God is leading prayer and, and wisdom and all of that stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I mean, there's so much in this and it's, uh, and uh, you know, the funny moment when I asked you before we got on, on to start recording, uh, I almost said on air, <laughs> um, started recording. Uh, I said, you know, what's the, any key confusions or sticking points? Yeah. <laughs> you said, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for me, as I look back, waiting is the hardest thing that that I can think of enduring. I mean, there are certainly other things, but waiting is at the root of a lot of them. And because sometimes the waiting is never fulfilled. Um, and, you know, and I'd said before we started, sometimes I think when we when we look at scripture, sometimes we can kind of default into the, well, if you just wait long enough, God's promises will come true. I think as we look at this, you know, and they did for David, but I think as we look at scripture as a whole, we also have to remember there are times where the waiting never leads to what, what we want in this life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think of, 
of questions about fertility or be, wanting to be in a relationship, or even as we've mentioned the past couple of weeks about wanting to see someone else come to Christ. Like right. we may never get to experience the fulfillment of our waiting. And that's a really hard thing. Yes. Um, it, and the waiting itself is hard. So yeah, it, it, le- you know, these things, being, being a faithful, being faithful to God doesn't mean that it's easy or that things always work out or that we always very clearly see exactly where God is, is telling us to go. There's still so much struggle in it. There's still so many questions, even when we do all the right things, even when we pray, even when we worship, even when we surround ourselves with good and faithful people. And, and we may still make the wrong step and we may still get distracted or try to do it under our own power instead of waiting for God. And, and there's pain in all of that. And it, and it is hard. I mean, stand by my statement. The sticking point in this passage is that it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I can't do anything about that. Yeah. (laughs) So, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the, the promises that we can hold to are the ones that God makes on his own authority, which Mm -hmm. is that, you know, Christ will come again. Redemption has been wrought, you know, um, but the, the who that comes along with that and the, and the, and the what and the how, those are still being worked out in real time. Yeah. Um, in a sinful world, in a broken world, alongside of other sinful and broken people Yeah. that are hopefully, you know, doing the best they can, but, but going to mess it up along the way too. And, yeah. you know, you had talked about David as being a pattern for the, um, for waiting and for, for seeking God. But, you know, as we've learned from the time we were in, in Sunday school too, like David's life is a a good example of what not to do too. And, Mm -hmm. and all the different ways that it can go off the rails. And yet God, David is still a man after God's own heart. That's right. And he's the, he's the pattern for the greater David, Mm -hmm. you know, and we see Jesus, uh, you know, waiting on God at every turn in the gospels. Mm-hmm. And even when his will is not, you know, God, if there is any other way, yeah, like let that be, but, but not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. He, he is able to bring his whole self into that moment. And yet also, um, and yet also be willing to be led by the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so he becomes the, the greater David, yeah, the ultimate David, um, and becomes our our ultimate uh, our ultimate example because David David was was just human. Yeah, um, and showed it. And I think too, you know, you had mentioned before that that perhaps the power that comes from waiting is is remembering that the timeline is no longer ours. And I think the other side to that is also re- re- remembering that. Redemption isn't ours to accomplish. It's already been done. Yes. It's already. So even as we wait, even as we struggle, even as we try to do things under our own power or, you know, take the crown, whatever that might be on our own strength, like ultimately God has already redeemed us and already worked it out. And so even with the bumps and bruises and pain, God, God is still in control and God is still on the throne. And to me, that brings incredible comfort, even as 
it's sometimes it seems that things around us are falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Perhaps a good word to end on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, I think we've talked a a good bit about this passage and I mean, a lot of, like you said, at at the end of the day, the sticking point is this is hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that has to be lived out. This is not the, the theological brainy side. Yeah. Um, this is the theological, uh, practical side that now has to be lived out. And, and that's why I challenged the, the congregation to, to think about decisions that they have to make Mm -hmm. and to, to actively engage the spirit of God in them. Yeah. So, well, a good discussion of, of King David and those five verses that, you know, just seem like he gets the throne. You who? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, amazing how uh, God is able to teach us so much through through seemingly just a yeah a, a bump in the road. Yeah, that has been been one blessing to me of of going through the narrative lectionary is that it it brings out some of these seemingly insignificant transitions and and showing that even those God had a purpose for and in mind and that God, the, the depths of God's wisdom and, and love for us is so much bigger than we could, yeah. we could imagine um, as evidenced by, by the fact that there's so much in these little throwaway verses. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, if you found this episode helpful, uh, would you please leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? We would love for it if people could find this and then find the the peace and the, the power and uh, understand the pain and the process of waiting and, and understand uh, how Christ, uh, um, you know, fulfills those things in us. Um, we'd love for it if people could discover that more easily. So uh, share, uh, leave a rating and review, and then also clip click subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast. That way that you can get uh, episodes whenever we release them. We really appreciate it. Until next time, though, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.